Welcome to another episode of the Forward Thinking CFO podcast. My guest today is Ryan Whitworth of Lumi Asset Based Lending. This is another episode in our mini series about sources of finance. If you've never thought about asset based lending or invoice discounting as a source of finance, or if you just dismissed them out of hand, then this episode might change your mind. So sit back, grab a coffee, enjoy this episode of the Forward Thinking CFO with Ryan Whitworth. So Ryan Whitworth, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Stephen. Uh, we've known each other quite a while, actually. And you know, originally, you were our relationship manager at our bank, Santander. When you came in at that point, it was like, first of all, it's the first time we'd actually had somebody come in from a bank. <laughs> And, uh, and talk to us. Also, I just felt like you understood what our business was about much better than you know, I was expecting from a bank, to be honest. And it'd be interesting to hear about your background, just to know how, how that came about and uh, how you got to the sort of position you're in today. So I, I don't come from a banking background. I guess I do now. I've been doing it for a while. But I started off in retail and, you know, fairly traditional routes, graduated, graduate program in big non-food retailers, assistant manager, store manager, a couple of sort of small area roles. And I, I was always interested in how behavior and activity impacted on financial performance first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so less interested in numbers and more in what's that behind those numbers. And when I came into a banking environment, I still, you know, I'm curious. I wanted to have a conversation with people about what they do and how they do it, why they do it, not just from a business perspective, but from a life perspective, you know. So I'm glad you had that perception. I'm not convinced I did fully understand your business, if I'm honest. It's, you know, I wouldn't have pretended to, but I was fascinated and interested by it. And I still am about most. And that's probably true of, you know, that cuts across many sectors. I can remember with a colleague that I work with in a clearing bank, walking around an engineering factory or an engineering business and him saying to me, well, once you've seen one, you've seen them all. And I just think that's nonsense. You know, that's absolutely not the case. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I just love going visiting businesses actually yeah. and just seeing. And, uh, you know, every now and again in this job that I do, we go out and visit a factory or operations or something and I'm always fascinated to see uh, yeah. what goes on. And I went to see a pharmaceutical business recently that's just installed automated picking lines for their product it was amazing you know it was just fascinating to watch and also the managing director of the business came alive you know like incredibly passionate about what his business is now able to deliver in comparison to what it could prior to this and i think it's um, yeah it's a real privilege to be part of those conversations yeah uh, so let's talk a bit about asset-based lending which is what you're into now um yeah. you're doing for a little while my understanding of this was it's, it's about you know, essentially a working capital facility of sorts, revolving credit facility. How does that differ from other forms of finance and things like um, banco drafts and so on? I guess you know, there's, there's so many options for businesses now to raise finance to support their business, whether their business is growing or contracting or entering into a, you know, loads of different options. An ABL is just one of many. I think it's true to say that bank overdraft facilities of a meaningful size over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, certainly since the recession, have been more and more difficult to achieve. And that invoice discounting as the cornerstone of asset-based lending has probably stepped in in many sectors to fill that void. And in its simplest form, invoice discounting is just a really simple, scalable 
working capital facility that helps businesses that wait to get paid by their clients accelerate cash that's generated from that. But I think ABL has become more than that over the last 20 years or so. It's very sophisticated. And these days, asset-based lenders are of high integrity, working with businesses from very small to very large, helping them in partnership to achieve their goals, you know, by providing flexible, inexpensive, covenant-like finance facilities. Yeah, okay. So what sort of assets are we talking about here in, in terms of, so invoice discounting is one part of it, but yeah. is that treated as an asset in this case or is it other forms of assets and other uh, so some that work? I, I would day? say re- receivables is probably the most straightforward asset for an asset-based lender to lend against. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason for that is because the lender is able to obtain a fixed charge against it. So you can demonstrate control and therefore it's pretty secure. Inventory and plants and machinery are also common asset-based lending products. So, for example, it would be typical for us, I work for Lumi Asset-Based Lending, to provide a facility where we will provide an invoice discounting facility that's supplemented by a stock facility or a plant and machinery facility. So to bring some colour to that, working with a food manufacturing business that has a number of sites selling into grocers and into food processing businesses. It's waiting between 60 and 90 days to get paid on average for the invoices that it raises. And that's a difficult working capital gap to swallow because it's growing. It's also got constant CapEx requirements and we're able to fund the receivables, but also to provide a loan against the unencumbered production or plant and machinery assets that the business has that help it to meet future capex requirements as well. When you say unencumbered, what, what's that mean or what, in this context? So the business doesn't have any existing finance arrangements against that equipment, oh, right. so that they're part of the balance sheet of the business, but nobody else has an interest within them. Right, yeah. yeah. As opposed to perhaps an asset financier who would fund new assets, but then have a specific interest in that piece of equipment. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting stuff. It's actually, I think you work across a number of different sectors and so on as well. So it'd be interesting to hear about a couple of examples of those as well. If you've got some sort of of standout as being interesting, unusual. Um, Yeah. I mean, we're, we're sector agnostic, but I think it's safe to say that there are some sectors where ABL is better suited Mm -hmm. and they tend to be, as you'd expect, sectors where businesses typically have assets on the balance sheets. So if we look at receivables first, then um, Lumi has a, a bit of a niche in working with recruitment businesses that are UK headquartered that have European or North American subsidiaries. And it's quite unusual to be able to fund in a relatively simple way those startup businesses, i.e. funding their overseas subsidiaries directly with one point of contact, one price, one legal structure as far as is possible. From a, a plant and machinery perspective, then we're able to be quite creative in the way that we structure facilities. So, for example, I work with a hire business where it's regularly buying new equipment and we provide it with a revolving plant and machinery facility that means that as it's buying and disposing 
of equipment, our facility enables it to do so relatively inexpensively. And to give you a rough idea of price, I would say that ABL facilities are priced somewhere between 2 and 4% interest margin or discount margin, depending on the credit quality of the borrower. So that's quite an attractive rate um, compared to what you typically would get you know, historically with a, a lending, bank lending facility or something like that. So, and it, and it's flexible based on the amount that you've actually borrowed against the facility, isn't it? So, yeah, so certainly an invoice discounting facility is a revolving facility. You, you would only pay for money that you borrow and that can make it very inexpensive if, you know, businesses generating sufficient profits to meet its own working capital or you know, as a peace of mind facility, if you like. Yeah, okay. And, and what's the process that you go through if, if a company approaches you interested in asset-based lending? There must be some sort of due diligence or if that's the right term. But uh, Yeah, you know, there, there is. And it's, but it's probably not a dissimilar conversation to uh, any other, you know, CFO approaching a bank to, to raise finance. Mm-hmm. It's a relatively quick process, I think, in comparison to certainly my background in high street banking. But we would wish to gather financial information up front, you know, typical typical things, but probably with a focus on asset information also. So yes, financial information, but also asset information. We would carry out some due diligence depending on the product that we're structuring or the facility that we're structuring on the receivables asset. So for example, we'd go age debtor information and we would talk through that with our clients to understand who the customer's clients are, how creditworthy they are, what sort of levels of concentration are in place against each customer and how quickly you're getting paid is probably the truth of it. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, with any kind of lending, you're just trying to manage the risk there, aren't you, really, to, from, from your point of view? But So you don't want too much exposure to a single client of your customer or yeah i I think that's you know every situation is different there are there are situations in which we will provide facilities where there is high concentration to a single debtor if that's not too much jargon Mm -hmm. clearly we would want to make sure that that debtor was credit worthy and that their payment behavior was well understood but so it's not uncommon and we see it quite frequently for example with food manufacturers and grocers there's often a degree of reliance, perhaps, but there's also a degree of reliance coming the other way as well. And understanding that dynamic is quite important for us. Naturally, the preference would be that there is a widespread of debtors and a good degree of creditworthiness within the client base. Because I guess, you know, one of the main differences between asset-based lenders and cash flow lenders, our first port of of focus is on understanding the quality of assets that we're lending against. Financial performance of our borrower is also important, but our first port of call is what are the assets and how strong are they? And if you think about receivables, clearly that's you know what underpins those. Yeah. Is the audit trail that sits behind that robust? So, for example, in a recruitment business, is there a signed timesheet? In a delivery or in a transport business, is there a signed proof of delivery? And then how strong is the business that we're working with managing credit control and administration from a, an inventory perspective, then it's, you know, how saleable is the product? How fast does it move? But yeah, the, the reason that we are relatively inexpensive from a pricing point of view is because we're well secured. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode of the Forward Thinking CFO. Numeritas created this podcast as part of our mission to improve the way finance makes decisions, and I hope you find the conversations as useful and interesting as I do. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe you'd like to be a guest on the podcast or just talk privately about a forecasting or modelling challenge. Drop me a message through the contact form on our website at numeritas.co.uk and I'll get back to you. Now, back to the show. So we haven't really talked about size of, of how much you lend. What's the kind of range and what's the typical business you might lend to and, and how much you like to provide as a facility? So we lend between three and 40 million. And it would be unusual for us to provide an invoice discounting facility in isolation. So typically we're providing it alongside some form of inventory, property or term loan facility or plants and machinery. Our customers, I guess, you know, very much sector dependent, but 50 to 500 million revenue, I would say, was probably a, a reasonable assessment. I know it's quite a wide bracket. We're also involved in the syndicated market as well. So, for example, we've, we've worked in a number with a number of other banks to provide larger facilities where we will either manage the facility and somebody else will club alongside us or we participate in somebody else's club. Okay. And there's also something on your website about using this for... NBOs, NBIs, acquisitions. How does that work? Again, it's and it's quite common. So I guess it depends on the structure of the acquisition, but I can give an example of a, an engineering business that I worked with last year that was acquiring another engineering business where the acquirer didn't have a huge, a huge amount of cash to contribute to the transaction and was able to raise finance against both his and the target company's assets to meet the entire consideration. And that was a, you know, it's a relatively straightforward process for both involved and a relatively inexpensive way of achieving that. At the other end of the coin, I just participated in a, a carve-out of a retail and wholesale business from a large listed entity where we weren't able to meet the entire consideration in isolation, but worked alongside a debt fund to do so. So one credit agreement, but the credit fund provided all of the term loan requirements and the, the leverage facility requirements, clearly at higher pricing than we would command. We provided the ABL facility, which was uh, against inventory and against receivables at a much lower margin. And on a blended basis, you know, you're at four or five percent as opposed to nine or ten. And that's becoming increasingly common. That's interesting because that's something I would never have thought of for asset-based lending, that you could use it as a, a source of finance for um, for a transaction. Yeah, it's, you know, in, in, in certain businesses, it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds like it. So uh, your background in banking and now in asset-based lending, do you see a big difference in, in the way you operate compared to what you would have done in banking or, or maybe the way you're perceived by customers? Yeah, huge difference. But I, and some of that was about culture. And, you know, I work for an independent asset based lender that's run by entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. business owners first and foremost. And I think that's, this is going to be true of any competitor, if you like, that is much smaller and agile than the largest players in its sector. But I've always been relationship led. It's much easier to be relationship led in an environment where your voice carries. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, I, I think it's um, it's a much more 
sophisticated environment than I was expecting. Much more thought goes into credit decision making than than perhaps I thought. But relationship with clients uh, and testament to that is the length of you know relationship that we have with our clients is is far stronger, and that gives us the ability to act much more quickly and more supportively at short notice. So sounds like speed is or you, know, you can do something quite quickly. So yeah. what's that typically look like? If I came to you and said, you know, I'm interested in a facility, am I talking about, you know, days, weeks, months? Well, how long does it take to get set Not days, unfortunately, but probably weeks. So I tried this actually. So four to eight weeks is, is reasonable. Uh, four, four weeks being on, on the quick end, eight weeks being sort of middling. I, I'm working with somebody at the moment I've been talking to for, for a, a much longer period of time, but then their business has evolved significantly throughout that period. So I, I think every circumstance is different. The quickest I've managed is 11 days. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, it felt it at the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, is there anything we haven't covered about asset-based learning that you think we ought to, uh, the people would be interested in? Because I've learned quite a lot from this. It's uh, cast asset-based learning in a slightly different light to, I suppose, what, my view of it was and probably what most people's view so you know we've covered oh there's one thing we haven't covered is the, the mechanics of it is it do you operate through a portal or something like that is it yes we do so once an invoice is created or a batch of invoices created our customers will tell us through a portal as simple as telling us what the value of those invoices has been raised in that period and then they can draw down against that amount typically at an agreed percentage. And it's quite common in the UK for that to be 85 to 90%. So yeah, it's pretty simple. Tell us how much you've raised in invoices and we'll create availability against that. There is obviously due diligence that sits behind that. So we'll audit on an ongoing basis to set check and make sure that's being done accurately. I think it'd be useful to talk a little bit about relationship and the way in which that, you know, so if I, if I I wouldn't go as far as to give advice, but every business has good times and bad. And I think in the good times, lenders are easy to work with. <laughs> and in difficult times, those relationships are tested. And I think I've seen examples over the last two years of businesses entering into difficult times. I think it's safe to say we have a really close relationship with our client base. And I, I can give an example of a business that whether finance director of the business would supply management information on a monthly basis, but then would also provide a little bit of commentary as well, which goes a long way. And in good months, it's, you know, the best that he, he's always going to get a note back saying, that's great. You're having a fantastic month. That's great to hear. Thanks very much. What he was also able to do was to tell us that about problems and we can see those coming to an extent. So this business had a significant product recall, which as a result of a failure in the manufacturing process. And that had a huge impact on them in terms of their cash flow. But they made us aware of it in advance and talked us through the challenges in advance, as a consequence of which we were able to put together a plan with them to help them smooth out the impact of that. So I think the benefit of having such a close working relationship with our clients is that we hear the good news and the bad. And there's a lot of goodwill built up because we're part of the conversation. I'm not sure if I've expressed that. that yeah, right? no, no, I think so. Yeah, no, that's no, quite clear. You know, I think there's a tendency when things aren't going so well to hide it 
and you know that's that's not always going to what, what what can happen then is you get a nasty surprise uh, at kind of late in the day as opposed to it being kind of understood about what's being done to mitigate that and but, but i think that communication is routine almost makes that a lot easier for both parties mm. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, th- thanks for that. And I suppose an important thing is uh, if anybody wants to find out more, uh, how, what's the best way for them to contact you? I, I guess I'm hoping my contact details will be on the bottom yeah. of it. But for, yeah, we will put that on the website. Feel me a message through LinkedIn. I'd be more than happy to speak. Sure. Okay. Well then, Ryan, thanks very much for coming on the podcast and telling us all about SO-based learning. I'm sure it's going to be interesting to all our listeners. Thanks very much indeed. Cheers, Stephen. Thank you. Thanks.